When we heard our scripture passage this morning, I think it's easy for us to place ourselves in that story. The coming of the Holy Spirit happened in such a a visually stunning way, and there's no doubt that a miracle like this would have gotten everyone's attention. And yet, as easy as it is to place ourselves there, to see others we thought we knew speaking a dozen different languages with boldness and conviction, it's nearly impossible to imagine a miracle like that happening today. Why is that? When we read about this miracle and the many other signs that occurred, it makes us wonder, why don't things like that happen in this day and age? Now, if I'm being honest, I must say that I still believe that miracles do happen in this world. But I'm talking about something a little different. I'm talking about the kind of miracle that comes like a whirlwind and tongues of fire. I'm talking about the feeding of the 5,000, casting out of demons, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, those kind of, of signs, those kind of miracles. And I'm wondering why those don't seem to happen anymore. Several years ago, a group of my fellow students in seminary went on a mission trip to Nairobi, Kenya. They came back after three weeks and, as part of a chapel service, recounted their experiences for the rest of us. Now, some of their stories were just wildly entertaining. One person told of how They all went into the countryside and stayed with this um, tribe of people who slaughtered a live goat in front of them. And as part of that tradition and ritual, as they slaughtered the goat, they each took a sip of its blood. And of course, a few of the students, well, all the students were invited to participate in this ritual. And um, some of the girls from our seminary actually did that. And when they were telling us this in chapel, we all, all of us men took mental notes of who not to date in the future. <laughs> Another person told the story of how he sacrificed, as he said, two pairs of underwear to the toilet gods, which was his way of saying he had unknowingly drank some of the water and had not been able to recover from that illness of doing that. And this time it was the ladies in the room who took a mental note on who not to date in the future. But then there came another story out of that mission trip. I remember this person's words very vividly. He said this, Christians over there have a different kind of faith. Their faith isn't like ours. He said it means more to them. It's deeper. And he went on, their faith is different because they depend on Jesus to provide their daily meals, clothing to wear, safety from the war. And they depend on Jesus for life every day. They depend on Jesus every single day for life itself. And because of that, he said, we couldn't witness to them about anything. I thought that was really interesting. In fact, I thought that was shocking that our mission team went there and could not witness to them about anything. Well, we don't depend on Jesus for those things. In in fact, 
It makes very little sense to us to think about depending on Jesus for our daily bread. It's just not the way it is over here. Do you and I depend on Jesus for our daily bread or do we just drive to the supermarket? Do we depend on God for clothing or do we raid Old Navy every weekend? Do we rely on Jesus to keep us safe or do we buy guns and keep them under our pillows? No, we just don't depend on Jesus for the things that they did. I mean, faith, as we often define it, is simply belief in Jesus. That's faith. But faith, as the people in Nairobi defined it, was total dependence on Jesus. For us, it, it's, it's unreasonable to trust Jesus to feed us when we can feed ourselves. It's unreasonable to depend on Jesus for protection when we can fight our own battles. It is irrational to trust God for these things when we can trust ourselves for these things. It's irrational. But you know, it was irrational for a father to sacrifice his son on the cross too. So why are there seemingly no more miracles? It's because we have insulated ourselves from them. We no longer have to live with such reckless faith that we need them. Just think about those disciples for a moment. Think back to our scripture. They're scared. They're alone. They're hiding in a dark room wondering if the next knock at the door is going to mean their doom. So how does Christianity go from a few ordinary, fearful, trembling disciples to what it is today? A miracle. A comforter. An empowering presence in the form of faith and fire. Those disciples, they did not insulate themselves from the presence of God. They longed for it. They prayed for it, and lo and behold, it came. They went from shaking, frightened little children to a group of bold, powerful believers in a moment's time. The supernatural was needed, and as we have read, it came like a rushing wind. But I am afraid, I am afraid that there is still no room for the supernatural in our lives. When we get sick, we medicate ourselves. When we're hungry, we buy food. When we're lonely, we call our friends. When we're scared, we install security systems. All very smart things to do. All things that are readily available and useful to us. But why are there no tongues of flames in our lives? Because we have eliminated the need for the supernatural. We have become so independent, we no longer have to depend on God for, for anything almost. We could try to let go of that control a little bit, but it's just too scary to do that. What if we get hurt? What if someone were to take advantage of us? Now, I want you to understand very clearly this morning, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor if you're sick. 
Or that you should just pray for food if you're hungry. That's not what I'm saying this morning. What I'm saying is that the world that you and I live in today is a world of convenience and leisure. And that's not the world in which the supernatural is needed. Why are there no more miracles? Because we have insulated ourselves from them. We have eliminated our need for them because we choose to answer our own prayers so often. And to be independent of God. Now I know there are exceptions exceptions here for all of us. Many of us, many of us have prayed for miracles before. Sometimes we received them, many times we did not. Every one of us has prayed for a miracle before. I feel sure of that. But do you know when I usually ask God for a miracle? When all other means have been exhausted? Am I alone in that? Think about it. When have you cried out to God? When someone you loved first showed signs of sickness? Or when the doctors have done all they can do? You see, the question here is, what do we really want? What do we really want for when we ask for a miracle? Do we want to be saved? Do we want to be bailed out of a tough situation? Do we want to avoid the trouble and the hassle, the heartache? Is that really a need for the supernatural? Or is it a need of convenience? You know, one of my, one of my former youth groups I worked with once asked me why people had to die. Well, how do you answer a question that loaded? So I told them, you know, there's a part of me that's afraid to die, but then again, do I really want to be alive at 150 or 200 years old? What kind of state would I be in? What would I look like? What would I be able to do for myself? So then they, they butted in and revised their question. They said, okay, well, what if we can never die and never get older? And I thought to myself, I thank God that I'm not 17 anymore. (laughs) What do we really want in our miracles from the supernatural? What do we want? Well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we have no idea of what we need. I wonder if we would recognize a miracle sometimes if it did happen right in front of us. And of course, we aren't alone in this. Many of Jesus' followers were, as we, read in our, as we read in our scriptures, are following him to see a fancy trick. That's why when Jesus refused to do a miracle for them, at one point the scripture says they left and went away unhappy. Were they really followers of Jesus, or were they just out to see a show? So perhaps we need to look at what a miracle is more closely, because... Maybe we're just being like those people who think it's a magic show. So let's take a closer look at some of these miracles in our Bibles. Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. But years later, Lazarus died again. Jesus healed the sick. But most likely, they caught something else. Jesus fed a meal to thousands of people, but the next day, guess what? They got hungry again. You see, 
those miracles that Jesus did from that perspective, it really seems much less remarkable, doesn't it? Or at least very fleeting in nature. Now, there were truly miraculous signs that Jesus performed, like walking on the water and calming the seas. But my question to you is, what is a true miracle? What is it that we ask for? Is a miracle an exhibition of power? Is that what makes it miraculous? Does it have to involve superhuman strength and capabilities, moving mountains and such? Yes, Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes for the crowds. But was that the miracle? Or was the real miracle that he had compassion on a bunch of grumbly strangers, most of which just wanted to be entertained? You see, we, like the crowd, are fickle. We are impressed by the multiplying of the fish, but Jesus is more interested in caring for strangers. That was a miracle too. In fact, that was extraordinary. Because people just didn't do that. People just didn't have compassion on folks they didn't know, and people still don't today, largely. Still not convinced? Look at when Jesus healed the lepers. What was the real miracle? Was it that Jesus healed them? Or was it that he touched them? Because no one touched lepers. People just didn't do that back then. And people still don't today. But Jesus did. Jesus did, and it was miraculous that he did. Thinking back to our scripture from this morning, was the rushing wind or the tongues of fire the miracle? Or was it the pitiful band of believers becoming bold messengers of the good news? You see, a true miracle isn't an awesome exhibition of power. It's an expression of love. An amazing, unheard of act of love in a world where selfishness and greed rule. And the incredible thing about that love is that when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us, we have the capacity for that love. Folks, maybe we can't multiply loaves and fishes, but we can have compassion on an unbelieving stranger. Maybe we can't heal the sick of their diseases, but we can go to them and hold their hand. Maybe we can't raise people from the dead, but we can give hope to a dying world. As difficult as that is, and I know that it is, we can learn to depend on the supernatural once again. And I believe we can seek it in our day-to-day -day lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the supernatural in our lives. Help us to see it. Help us to look for it and to know what to look for and be filled by it, guided by it each day. 
Give us the power and boldness that you gave your disciples. Let us be filled with that sense of power that only comes from you, not from ourselves. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.